talking to you about the kingdom of God, and I want to remind you and suggest to you that you listen to Felix's message again. It was wonderful. I appreciate Evan as well. He, even though he gave me Achilles tendonitis, I, I appreciate him so much. He preached a wonderful message as well Sunday morning at nine o'clock. I encourage you to listen to that. Felix preached on the kingdom of God, making Jesus's final words, your first works. It was tremendous. And so I just ask you to listen to that because it is very uh, it's, it drives you to be involved in the kingdom of God. I want to read this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul says in verse 19, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. So here's the deal. We don't have hope in Christ in this life only. The resurrection of Jesus changed everything. And because Jesus Christ confessed what he did, and because he did what he did, and then he was raised from the dead three days after his life was given, it assures us that our life lived for God is not in vain. You can live a life that's in vain. You can live a life that does very little for the kingdom of God and for the king. But you can also live your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That greatly advantages the king, the kingdom of God. And nothing that you do through faith and love for the kingdom of God is in vain. And I stress faith and love. Whatever's not of faith is not pleasing to God. It's sin. And there's a whole lot that you can do, even miraculously. But if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. So I believe that we're going to be judged at the, at the judgment seat of Christ for our rewards, not for whether we're saved or not, not whether we're going to go to heaven or not, but how we're going to be rewarded by God in that heavenly kingdom and in that eternal age. Listen, you can't skirt around the issue. Jesus said it very plainly that you can lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven. I think this has a lot more to do than just the fact that you're going to have something to lay at Jesus' feet. I think this has to do a lot with the eternal scheme of things in the type of rulership you have and the type of government that you are in charge of. And so I want to encourage you to invest yourself in the kingdom of God. Jesus said this, that no man leaving father or mother or wives or children or land or homes for my sake, the kingdom of God's sake, that shall not be rewarded in this life and in the one to come. Whatever you do for the kingdom of God is not temporary. It is eternal. It may feel temporary. People may not notice what you do. It may seem insignificant, but if you are doing the will of God, then it is going to be continuous into the eternal age and it is going to bear an incredible dividend in your eternal responsibilities in God's kingdom. And I, I assure you, you're going to want to live your life on earth for the kingdom of God because there is a day of reckoning coming and a day of reward 
And you want to not just get in by the skin of your teeth. And the Bible says there will be those who get in by the skin of their teeth. Thank God they're in. They're children of God. They'll enjoy heaven. They'll enjoy the eternal age. They'll have joy, happiness, life like everyone else. But the responsibilities are going to be somewhat different for everybody that's in heaven based upon what you do here. Now, you don't need access to a pulpit to be great or to be wealthy in heaven. You don't need access to the mission field to be wealthy in heaven. You don't have the capacity. You don't have to have the capacity to be an intellectual and understand Greek and Hebrew to be wealthy in heaven. Because a lot of pastors and a lot of intelligent people will not be wealthy in heaven. But it is simply doing the will of God through faith and love by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is going to give you access to serve him. And when you serve him, he is going to take that into an account. And so Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Jesus, then we're of all men most miserable. But our hope in Jesus goes beyond this life. So why do we fight the beast at Ephesus? Because the dead are going to live. This is not the end. I'm not doing a momentary work, but I'm doing something for eternity. So in light of the resurrection... In light of the rapture of the church, which Paul talks about in chapter 15, in light of our new and glorified bodies, in light of the fact that death has been defeated, Paul tells us at the conclusion of this thought, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I suppose those who are going to abound in their work of the Lord are those who believe that God is going to remember what they do. If you really believe that God is going to remember it and know it and it's not in vain, then I believe you're going to work through grace very hard. For the kingdom of God. And that's exciting. And I encourage you to do this. Our present life in this body. Is not valueless. Just because you're going to die. And I want to bring this out to you. That I concluded with. um, Last week. I think it was last week. That I concluded this with. But God is going to raise you up. What you do in this body. In this moment of time. Matters forever. What you do for the kingdom of God today will matter tomorrow. And whatever it might be, your volunteer service, your work in a nursery, your work in children's church, cleaning for the kingdom of God, sacrificing for the kingdom of God, providing a a package that is going to bring temporary relief to a homeless person on the street corner. When you do that for the kingdom of God. It is not temporary. It is eternal. Singing in the choir, working on the tech team, working in the sound booth, preaching in a pulpit, teaching a Sunday school class, attending a Sunday school class, making missions possible, financing missions is never temporary. It is eternal. Helping this worship night next Thursday night, involving yourself in the worship night, 
participating in it, working in it, praying in it, cleaning up after it, encouraging those who are organizing it is going to be of eternal value. You have opportunity, opportunity all around us to be involved in the kingdom of God. And so I encourage you to do it. I I, I ask you with all of my heart that you do it because the church's work and our labor here on earth, we're not putting a bandaid on cancer. Because if you were to put a bandaid on cancer, we would all remark, what good is that going to do? You've got to do something more for that cancer because the band-aid's not going to cure the cancer. And a lot of times people might look at the work of the church in our communities and in our world, and we might wonder, what good is that going to do? How is that going to make any difference in the scheme of things? How is that going to be of eternal significance? But we have to believe that our band-aids are supernatural. We have to believe that there's power in the kingdom of God, power in the Holy Spirit to do things that we think are natural, but they are actually supernatural. And things are happening and we're not able to discern everything that's going on. That's why we're going to have to stand at a judgment seat of Jesus Christ so he can determine This that you thought was nothing, it caused all of this. It was tremendous. What you thought was little was huge. And so God's going to judge that. And God's going to deal with that. And so I want you to understand it. Now I want you to go with me to the gospel of Matthew chapter 10. And I want to bring your attention To Jesus commissioning his disciples, giving them authority, and giving them a very clear instruction on what they're to say. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. And into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he's very careful. Stay with me. We're going to finish reading it. But Jesus is very careful to tell them, I'm not sending you to the Gentiles. I'm not sending you to the Samaritans. Don't go in those areas. I'm sending you to the house of Israel. And when you arrive at the house of Israel, I want you to preach. And this is what I want you to say. The kingdom of God is at hand. And when you say that, then I want you to heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you have received. Freely give. Don't charge anybody for these miracles that I'm telling you to go do. Because the kingdom of God is without charge. And what Jesus is commissioning his disciples to do is to go to the house of Israel and declare the kingdom of God is at hand. And when they begin to declare that, and they begin to pray for the sick, cast out the devils, and do wonderful works, they are going to demonstrate in some way, when the kingdom of God actually comes to earth, this is what it's going to look like. 
And you're not going to have to go buy your miracles from God. They're free because God loves you. And that is how I want you to go to the house of Israel, proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand, and then demonstrate what that kingdom looks like. Because the kingdom of God is not in word and deed, it's in power. It's in power. And miracles are always accompanied with the demonstration of God's kingdom. The kingdom of God is not preached with just a verbal declaration. It is also revealed through signs and wonders. We have to expect that. You have to expect that with your life. That is why we must be desperate to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you shall have power. Then. He didn't even want to send his disciples out who were convinced of the resurrection. And convinced that death had no power. And convinced that Jesus was Lord. And convinced that his message was true. Even though they were convinced of all of that, I don't want you to go preach until you have power. Because what you do is as important as what you say. I want you to show the kingdom of God. And so, beloved, I want you to know tonight that Jesus Christ wants us to demonstrate his kingdom as well as proclaim his kingdom. That's for every one of us. And every one of us are without excuse because the abundance of God's grace is extended to all of us. And the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit is extended to every man and woman and boy and girl who's born again. It's a free gift. You don't have to be begging God to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You just have to ask him in faith. And it's yours. It's yours. Everything that God has to give you. So I want you to see this. They're to go to the house of Israel to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Just go to Israel. Right? Just go to Israel. In Matthew 28, I want you to see this. This is after the resurrection. This is after the crucifixion. This is after the destruction of Satan's kingdom. We know that Jesus Christ, according to Colossians on the cross, destroyed principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. He triumphed over them in his cross. He went to the cross declaring, now shall the God of this world be cast out. Jesus did not merely come so a few people that would go through earth would be able to go to heaven. Jesus came to earth to take it over. He is coming back. We're not going to bring paradise to earth. We're not going to create a utopia of Christianity around the world. Jesus will do that when he returns. But it doesn't mean that we do not demonstrate the kingdom today. And it doesn't mean that we don't rise up against principalities and powers that are trying to take our families and trying to take our communities or maybe trying to take our politics and cast the devil out of that. Because there can be places of hope where the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone. That's what, what, what else do we celebrate in the Welsh revival in 1906? 
Was it just a handful of people that got saved? Or was it a 100,000 people that were swept into the kingdom of God so much so that the crime stopped and the police had to form quartets because they didn't have any jobs to go take care of crime? Nobody was committing a crime. So the police formed quartets to go sing in the revival services. Why? Because the kingdom of God came to Wells in 1906. Let the kingdom of God come to Baton Rouge. Let that happen. And he's in you. The kingdom of God is at hand if he's in you. But we have to believe that. And we have to believe that what we do is worthwhile and it's not in vain. And it's eternal. Therefore, I just want to dive in with it. And I want to do it. So this is now after the resurrection, after the triumph of the cross. And Jesus says in verse 18, Jesus came and he spoke to them. And he said, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Don't just go to the house of Israel. Don't skirt past the Gentiles. Don't skip over the Samaritans. Go to every one of them. Go to every one of them. Go to every nation. Go to every tribe. Go to every tongue. Go to every people. Go to every one of them. Because I have all power and authority in heaven and in earth. Nothing is off limits to you. And that's what Jesus is telling us. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. And so he tells us to go. Wherever you go, Jesus is already there. His kingdom is already there. His power is already there. His authority is already there. I'm not teaching that we will take over earth and bring in a Christian paradise and then Jesus can come back. But I am telling us that wherever we go, the authority of Jesus Christ is there. And we are to go there and we are to teach the nations and the people that what Jesus has taught us. And we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It is very important for, for us to understand that. There's nothing that we do that is insignificant. Now this power is not only physical, but it is spiritual. It is spiritual power. It is authority. Until Jesus Christ went to the cross, died and rose again, men did not talk directly to God. Men had to go through a mediator in order to communicate with God. But the, the resurrection of Jesus and the atonement of Jesus Christ was so absolutely powerful that it enabled common people like you and me to become the holy of holies. To actually enter into the presence of God and speak to the Father face to face. That Jesus has granted us spiritual authority as well as natural authority. Because Jesus has power everywhere, over everything. And that's why this power is not in a document. And this power is not in a decree. Listen to me. This power is in a relationship. You're not a rogue piece of power. You're not just some solely, selfishly endued person with authority because you know scripture. 
And you can go around and name and proclaim anything you want to and think it's going to happen. Like God has to bend to your will. No, you have to have relationship with the king. And relationship with the king can only occur through the Holy Spirit who has been sent here to tell us everything he hears and everything he sees about the king. And so in this relationship, we know what the king wants. And when we know what the king wants, and we believe that the king has authority everywhere, then we can go and exercise that authority through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the will of the king can be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you understand this? If you don't, talk to Felix. So I want you to know this. I want you to understand it. Now, in Acts chapter 12, stay in Matthew 28. Because we're going to come back to it. But I want you to turn to Acts chapter 12. And I want you to see this, this event that happened to Peter. Because what happened was Herod was attacking the church. And Herod killed James. And James, as you know, was one of the disciples of Jesus, John's brother. He killed him with the sword. And when when Herod killed James, the people were so happy. And when Herod saw that the people were happy, he decided, I'll kill Peter. That'll make the people even more happy. So Peter was arrested and Peter was thrown into prison. In verse 5, it says Peter was kept in prison, but prayer. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the significance of God's people acting on earth for the benefit of God's kingdom. Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for Peter. Did it matter? Was there any benefit of their prayers? Absolutely. Because the Bible tells us that while Peter was sleeping, he was literally chained between two guards. And an angel walks into the cell, shakes Peter, and gets him up. The chains fall off of his hands. Then the angel begins to lead Peter out of the prison. And the prison is, the doors are just opening up for him as he's walking out. Peter's trying to gather himself. Am I having a vision? Is this real? Peter didn't even, he was sleeping. He he doesn't really even know what's going happening to him. In verse 10, it says, when they passed the first and second ward, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through through one street and forth went the angel. It departed from him. The angel left. When Peter was come to himself, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod. Peter had no idea how this happened. And from all the expectations of the people of the Jews, because everybody was just thirsty for Peter's blood. And when he considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And that should be something the church is always doing. And as Peter knocked at the door, this is a great story. As he knocked at the door of the gate, 
A young girl came and hearkened. Her name was Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she didn't open the gate because she was so happy. And she ran in and she told everyone that Peter was standing outside the gate. And they said to her, you're crazy. Thank God that you don't have to have this positive faith type movement in your life to get answers from God. Because when she said, Peter's outside the gate, no way. You're crazy. She constantly affirms. She doesn't go open the gate and bring him in there. She just stands there and says, no, it's true. Peter's outside the gate. And, and, and people are just got, no, it's his angel. It's not Peter. So Peter keeps knocking. I mean, he's probably thinking people are looking for me by now. And when they opened the door, they saw him and they were astonished. They were shocked. Wow, it is Peter. And he beckoning to them with the hand, trying to get them to be quiet, be still, have peace. And he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things to James and to the brothers. So he departed and went into another place. And I think, and and the soldiers, when they realized this, and certainly when Herod realized this, he called an investigation to find out what had happened, and nobody could explain it. It was an absolute miracle of God, not because somebody actually went to this prison and just started maybe shouting the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, prison open. In the name of Jesus, Peter, come out. Now, if God had told them to do that, it would have happened. But here's a group of people, the church, who recognizes something serious is going on. Okay, I want you to understand the seriousness of this. Our beloved James was just killed with the sword. The people loved it. Now they've arrested Peter and they intend to kill him. And the people are thirsty for his blood. Who's next? I think all of us would have been in a prayer meeting that night. They're going to kill Peter in the morning. Who are they going to come arrest next? Is it going to be John? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be Rhoda? Who is it going to be? And so the church gathers together and prays. And we don't know exactly what they prayed, but we do know that there was prayer from the church for Peter. And God heard their prayer. And listen to me. What government and what authorities and what powers had in mind for the church. The church of Jesus Christ went to the real king and turned the situation around. And we have to believe that we have access to God to be able to see things like that happen because that's the kingdom of God. Now, don't get discouraged if what we're believing for may not happen. Don't forget, James died. Don't forget that. But it didn't prevent the church from praying. And there would be more persecution that would come to the church. And some would die and some would live. But the church would go on praying and it would cause the upheaval of Rome. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they would turn the world 
upside down. That's what the kingdom of God does. It turns the world upside down. And it's like, you're really not in charge here. Jesus is. And whatever he says goes. Regardless of what you think about that. But there has to be a courage in our faith to side with God and take action and be a people of prayer. I think it's why it's so important to be in a church that prays. A church that prays before it has to pray. A church that prays in the power of the Holy Spirit when it's easy, so you know they're praying in the power of the Holy Spirit when it's hard. It's very important that we have that and that we cultivate that relationship with God because we have to walk with the King. So back in Matthew 28, Jesus says in verse 18, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. I want to describe this. The word all. When he says all power, all means this. It means all, any, every, the whole, all manner of, always, thoroughly, whatsoever, whosoever, whensoever, forever. That's what all means. Nothing is excluded. All. Well, it didn't mean that. No, he means it all. And the word power means privilege, force, capacity, competency, freedom, mastery, superhuman potentate, authority, jurisdiction, liberty, power, right, strength, the power of doing as one pleases. Ability or strength which one has and possesses and exercises. The power of authority, influence, and of right, which is privilege. The power of rule or government. The power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Universally, authority over mankind, judicial decisions, over universal jurisdictions. Jesus has complete forever at all times over everything, whenever, wherever, over everything throughout the universe. Nothing is out of his jurisdiction. Go to the hospital and bring the kingdom of God. Because he's there with authority. Go to the nations. Because he's there with authority. It doesn't mean there won't be persecution. It doesn't mean that you won't be caught and thrown into prison just Have a church that prays. There's not a lot of churches that pray. More entertainment bent than anything. And so Jesus says, all of this power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. Or therefore, go. Go. He's not saying go to India. He's not saying go to China. He's not saying go to Canada. He's he's just saying, go. Don't hide this thing under a bushel. Don't confine this thing to the walls of a church where you're so bold and you're so strong, but you're a kitty cat when you get outside. I have authority on the streets of Baton Rouge. I have all authority on 3rd Street. 
I have all authority at the Capitol building. I have all authority at the Lady of the Lake. I have all authority at the Baton Rouge General. So as you go, know that I'm already there and I am in charge. Talk to me. Find out what I want to do. Don't act rogue, but walk with me and talk with me and live in my spirit. And let my spirit show you what I want to do. And when you hear what my spirit says in faith, do it. And I will do it. It's not a presumption, which is what a lot of people call faith. And they're just presuming, you know, that that God has to do something because I've really psyched myself up to believe this. No. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you really have that hearing and that knowledge and that understanding of God. So I ask you tonight, why do we not invade these foreign and illegal establishments of demonic authority? Why don't we invade them? Why not bring the light of his jurisdiction to bear upon human government with the accountability that the kingdom that is coming, you will answer to? Why do we not do that? The kingdom of God in our preaching, in our teaching, and in our verbal declarations is pretty much absent from modern Christianity. But it wasn't absent from the apostles. It certainly wasn't absent from Jesus. Because you have to understand the kingdom and the king and what you've been brought into to understand authority and power. There have been several times in my life When I've had to deal with demonic powers. I've had to deal with people who were demon possessed. I'm not judging other people who deal with that. I don't find in the Bible where people laid on top of demon possessed people for four hours. For them to come out. If God's leading you to do that and that's your faith, I'm not judging you. I don't see that and I don't want to give the devils that type of power or credit. I watch how Jesus did it. I watch how the disciples did it in the word of God. And I pray, Lord, endue me with power. If I see an oppressed person, that I will have the authority to speak your word on your behalf and the demons will obey. And I've had many get up in my face, hold me, and I've held them. And I've confronted them and I've charged them and commanded them to come out. And they would look at me adamantly and say that I will not. And I would say, Jesus has authority over you. And they still said, but I am in rebellion and I will not. And I have watched them leave. 30 seconds later, they returned to me. I was not given permission to leave. And then they would come out. Jesus is the enforcer. The Holy Spirit is the enforcer of principalities and powers. We walk in submission to his authority. And we believe him and walk with him in that way. And so I just simply say that these powers on earth are operating in rebellion 
and illegally. I'm talking about demonic powers. That is raping our culture, our schools, our young people, our entertainment, everything. It's raping. And the church of Jesus Christ needs to believe who Jesus really is and the authority that he really has. And we need to challenge the jurisdiction that people claim that they have. Why do we not begin by walking with the king in these areas of our city? Where perhaps the power of Jesus is being challenged. Why not just walk in prayer and say, oh king, what do you want to do here? Because the devil has a testimony here. And so I just want to walk with you and I'm asking you to show me, is there something that you would want instead of what's happening here? And if there's anything that you would show, and if he shows you something, then he shows you and you can walk with him and work with him. If you don't believe he's shown you anything, what can you do? Jesus said, I only do what I see my father doing. If you don't see something, then you don't try to presume upon that to do something. You just keep praying. You just keep believing God. I was praying months ago. And as I was praying several months ago, and I'm always, my mind is constantly upon our prayer meetings. More than any other service we have. My mind is constantly upon that because I believe that that's really the, the, the atmosphere of the church of Jesus Christ. And I want our prayer meetings to be spirit led and I want them to be godly and holy. But I want to see the power of God and the reality of God in our prayer meetings and the miracles of God. And I was praying and I just had this, this thought that came into my spirit. Where is Satan working in your city? Go there and stop him. Go there and challenge him. Go there and confront him. Bring the light to the darkness. And I immediately understood that it's not always the physical presence of me. But sometimes it is our ability as a church. According to Acts chapter 12, they didn't go to the prison. They went to the God who had authority over the prison. And they talked to the God who was responsible for Peter. And God heard them. And that church affected the prison. And God heard them and spared Peter's life. They affected where the power of darkness was working. They robbed Herod. Of his desire. That he had decreed. God intervened and changed it. And so I was hearing that in my spirit. About where is Satan working in the city. Go and challenge him. Go and stand against that. Through faith. Through prayer. Through obedience. And believe to see what God can do. And so I took that seriously, and I'd begun to pray about that for months now, just thinking about this from the Lord, pulling something down from the heavens, the armies of heaven, the angels of God being moved up on the earth. Jesus said when they came to arrest him, 
Do you not know that I could ask my father and he would give me a legion of angels right now? Jesus was saying that you're coming to me with swords and torches to arrest me, to harass me, to do physical damage to me and the people that are with me. Do you know I could talk to my father right now and 12,000 angels would be dispatched and take care of all of you. I don't believe we're supposed to talk to angels. I don't believe we're supposed to try to communicate with angels. But I do believe that we have the ability to talk to the Father and ask the Father, Lord, there's a work of darkness going on in our city over there. And Lord, would you send a legion of angels? Would you send angels? Would you just begin to help us? And and we're going to pray that the glory of God and the kingdom of God would come into that area. And the influence of God would come into that area and just believe the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 18, which I have not had the opportunity to read tonight. But he says in Matthew 18 to the church, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Heaven is waiting upon earth to act. What you bind here will be bound there. What you loose here will be loose there. Now you're not rogue. But you're in communion with the king through the Holy Spirit. And you know the desires of the king. And when you know those desires, then you can begin to pray. And you can begin to believe God. It's not just summoning angels or commanding the Father. It's like I know the Father's heart and His will. And I'm going to pray for this to happen because I believe that is what is in His heart to happen indeed. To bring every thought captive. To pull down Satan's strongholds. To war against the sick. Where are the lost? To form a prayer band. To intercede. To tell the devil to let the prodigals go. So that they would be able to come back home. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If people are not believing the gospel. Why are they not believing it? And it says because the God of this world. Has blinded their minds. And so you have to do war with the devil. But God commands the light to shine in their heart. And so we speak to the heart of men. That they might know the truth of God. I say this to us, I'm grateful for the outreaches that we do as a church. I'm grateful for that. It humbles me to be able to pastor so many people that want to take the gospel to our city. And you're doing it. Absolutely incredible job. All of you that are doing it. Others that are taking the gospel internationally. Praise God for you. Thank you. I'm honored and delighted to work alongside of you. Understand that. So what I'm about to say is not to take away from that. But what I want to say is this. You don't have to wait for an event to demonstrate the kingdom of God in our city. Because Jesus is telling us, because all authority is given to me in heaven and earth, go. So when you go to Rouse's or you go to Albertson's or you go visit somebody in the hospital or you go to a football game or you go shopping, when you're going, understand I'm already there with all authority. Open up your eyes and try to see what the kingdom of God wants to do here right now. Understand that. Get a partner. Get a few people. Just walk and pray. Take authority over the devil. And walk and pray 
over our schools, over our universities, over our, our, our capital. Randy led us out uh, a couple of Saturdays ago, and we just walked, and we ended up even by the courthouse, and we're praying for the nation. That's eternal. That is absolutely eternal, and I'm, I'm grateful that we as a church had the opportunity to be a part of it. Walk with God. Walk with the King down the streets of our city and just listen to what He has to say. And when he says something about it, believe him and have the faith to trust him. Believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit will actually operate through you. Do you know that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for Sunday mornings and Sunday night prayer meetings and Wednesday nights? And the gifts of the Spirit are not just for congregational services. The gifts of the Spirit are for the streets of Baton Rouge. The gifts of the Spirit are for Angola. The gifts of the Spirit are for the ladies' prison. The gifts of the Spirit are for those that are in the hospitals. That the doctors don't know what to do for the people. We're just trying to get them as comfortable as they can possibly be. Well, let the kingdom of God go in there. and Maybe he'll turn everything around. Take a walk through the hospital and pray. Well, I don't know anybody that's in the hospital. Doesn't matter. The hospital is full of needs. It's full of people that are sick or it's full of people that love the ones that are sick and worried. Take a walk with the king in the hospital and just ask him, what do you want to do? And maybe all he wants you to do is walk through it and pray. Maybe he wants to do more. You'll never know till you do it. And yet we're going to sit around in church for the rest of our lives and talk about God's power and wonder, where is it? Why don't I ever see the power of God? Take a walk with the king. And it will be an exciting life. It will be an exciting life. Look at Peter and John going to the house of prayer. Going to pray. And they encounter a lame man. Who gets up and leaps and dances and runs. Because healing came to him that day. And then 5,000 men get saved because they're able to preach the gospel. No organized meeting. We're just going to pray. And the king tells us, heal this man. So we did. In Jesus' name, get up. They were doing it with authority. They didn't pray, oh God, we know that you can heal him. Would you please heal him? We know that you... No, they knew what God wanted to do. Get up. And it wasn't a hope. They knew. They were in authority and in power. Look at Jesus walking through the city. Just walking through the city. Eye always on his father. His ear always to his father. And on this particular day while Jesus is walking through the city, he happens upon a funeral. And the father speaks to the son. She has no husband. That's her only son. She needs him. Stop the funeral, Jesus, and bring him back. That's what he does. Amazing. And this Jesus lives in us. And he walks in us. Look at Paul walking through the Gentile world. Just walking through the Gentile world. Wanting to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. Just happens upon a group of people worshiping the unknown God. Hey, y'all want me to tell you about him? I know who the unknown God is. And Paul preaches on Mars Hill. And there's an incredible move of God in their life. Because he's out there. As the kingdom of God walking through the world, challenging the illegal jurisdiction of demonic forces. 
Because those people, that jurisdiction has been destroyed. Don't walk with your head down. Don't just pray in a church. When you're driving in your car, when you're walking down the road, when you're putting your kids to bed at night, God, show me what are they facing? What is attacking my children? What is the devil plan for them? Show me, God. I want to take authority over that. You're constantly talking to the king, and the king talks to you. And so I, I challenge you to that, to believe that he has all authority, and he's already there. So go. Go. And pray. And teach them. Teach them everything he said. And baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And watch your Christianity explode. Watch it explode. Absolutely incredible. You'll be so astonished. And, and let's pray. Let's pray about things to where maybe people come knock on our door and we're like, oh, you're crazy. They're not there. You know? You know? Oh, my friend had his leg amputated. Pastor Lee, he's in the lobby. His leg grew back. Oh, you're crazy. He's not there. And we let him in and, oh my God, look, he did. God did that. God did a miracle. Because that's what happened when Jesus healed lepers. Parts of their body that were gone were restored. It's nothing for God to do that. That's just, that's the king we walk with. And I just compel you to do this so one of the things we're going to do in our prayer meetings, we're going to begin to implement as soon as we can, are things we're going to call prayer bands. And we're going to take occasion in our prayer meetings to begin to pray intentionally about specific things in our city and in our nation and in our world where Satan is aggressively at work. And we're going to begin to pray intentionally in regards to those areas, whether it's deception Spiritually, politically, morally. And we're going to begin to war against that. We're going to tear down strongholds. We're going to pray for people that are in debt. We're going to pray for families. We're going to pray in these prayer bands for prodigals. We're going to have people at these prayer bands that are going to be ready to lead you in prayer. Specifically for those areas. And where in that prayer band you can begin to pray together. And so as soon as we can, we're going to begin to implement that in our prayer meetings. And I ask you to be active in praying and not think, you know, what, what did my hour of prayer accomplish? You have no idea. You have no idea. And, and, and maybe your prayers brought out from a prison in Iraq, a Christian who was about to be tortured. But he can't cross the ocean to come tell you. But in heaven one day, when you stand before Jesus, because all of this is continuous, if it's for the kingdom, and you're going to stand in heaven one day, and in heaven one day, Jesus is going to say, you know when you did that, and you thought nobody knew about it, and you thought it was so small, so insignificant? It changed that world. It changed that world. And so, I just want us to believe God. I want you to stand with me, and I just want us to come before the Lord tonight. And I just want to ask you to... Ask the Holy Spirit to come to you tonight. Just ask Him to give you. Because none of this is possible apart from the Holy Spirit. Nothing. Apart from the Holy Spirit, we just think we have power. And apart from the Holy Spirit, we're just rogue.
just doing what we think a good Christian should do something or whatever it may be. But in the Holy Spirit, we're, we're on target. We're walking with purpose. We can know the heart of the King. We can know His desires and His will. And we can receive from Him. So I just ask you for a few minutes tonight just to receive the Holy Spirit in your life. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Or nothing else matters. Nothing else. You'll do nothing apart from Him. But you can do everything by Him.